Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with Dr. James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. Jim is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, president of Serious Times, a ministry devoted to exploring the intersection of faith and culture, a graduate school professor, a former seminary president, and the author of more than 20 books. I am your host, Alexis Dry, and I can't wait to dive into this week's conversation. All right. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, today, Jim, uh, Dr. White, and I are going to expand our scope a bit. And when I say a bit, I mean a lot because we are going to talk in response to the recent congressional hearing that focused on UAPs, that is Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, or as most of us call them, UFOs. Let's be honest. So you may recall there has been a surge in the news re- in recent months about the sighting of the increased sightings of these um, UAPs or UFOs. Well, in response, the National Defense Authorization Act um, Authorization Act required the formation of a permanent office that would research these UAPs and then provide semi-annual briefings like the one um, recently. So in other words, despite what stereotypes you might harbor with regards to UFO sightings, the government is taking them seriously. And today's conversation is going to take them seriously as well. Specifically, we're going to consider if there is any place in a Christian worldview for a belief in life on other planets. So, Jim, for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with some of the more recent news regarding UAP sightings, what's the latest? I think you set it up nicely. I don't know. There's a lot to add. I, I, uh, I, there have been more sightings. Uh, there have been more that have been declassified. Um, they are being taken extremely seriously, and the the there is a, a freedom and 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 an encouragement within the military to not cover it up, to not be awkward about it, to come forward and say that they saw something unexplained, and to report it. I mean, you go back 50 years ago to when these hearings were first held. I think they were overseeing testing my political memory here, but I think they were by then Gerald Ford. Um, and the response was, yeah, that was just swamp gas. <laughs> so I think, I think most people were like, yeah, that sounds like something that uh, the men in black would say after they kind of did their little clicky thing. Yeah. Um, but it is taken much more seriously now. And they have found, I believe that they started this latest congressional hearing with at least 17 um, clearly documented, filmed uh phenomena that had no explanation there was no known propulsion they were doing things that defied the laws of physics and that we know or at least defied all technology we have and um so it is being taken very seriously you know even having this conversation has really been a personal conviction of my own like kind of i guess double standard when it comes to things like this because i hold a christian worldview that believes in supernatural people and events throughout the Bible. Like we, I, I hold a worldview that encompasses a reality beyond the material world. And yet the whole, I'm like a card carrying skeptic of all things related to UFOs. And oftentimes it's because I'm not familiar, like that the Bible mentions anything about life on other planets. Have I missed something? Is it tucked in there somewhere? Nope, you haven't missed anything. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that there isn't life on other planets or there isn't, you know, credence to this. What the Bible gives us is necessary knowledge. It does not give us exhaustive knowledge. 
And I think sometimes it's important to remember that just because the Bible is silent on something doesn't mean it's condemning something, doesn't mean it's affirming something, it doesn't mean it's acknowledging or not acknowledging something. The Bible simply gives us necessary knowledge, particularly related to salvation and our relationship with God, does not give us exhaustive knowledge. And I've often said, right or wrong, that to assume we're the only creation God made to have a relationship with, and whether that means in this universe or dimension or all dimensions and potential, you know, verses, um, it's almost arrogant to assume we're it. Like, why would, why would he limit himself to just that? Why, why, why would the God of, of unlimited love and unlimited capacity limit creation to be in relationship with to this small planet of, you know, a few hundred million souls out of all of the creative expanse and possibility that exists within him? Maybe because we're enough of a headache. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's better than saying maybe it's because we were plenty for him and he's satisfied mm. either way. Well, I think, okay. So if we take that in, into consideration, right, that there could be implications beyond the planet Earth, I feel like there are a thousand questions that I could then ask. I'm going to ask a couple of them, but of course I'm going to limit myself. But I, I, let me start with this. Because there are several religions that contend that life on earth didn't originate here, you know, that it came from other planets or other beings. Are you saying that there actually could be some truth to that? I think there are. Um, I'm, I don't know about other religions per se. Certainly philosophers and scientists say that. Um, let's go back a little bit and let's put it this way. The great argument that uh, is often made through a Christian apologetics for the existence of God is, is a simple question. So where did life come from? Mm. You know, where did life come from? I mean, you, you, you can't just say life began 3.8 billion years ago because it began evolving from a single prokaryotic cell, a single cell prokaryotic cell. You can't just say that's how life began. It, you know, we, we began evolving from that single prokaryotic cell. Where did that single prokaryotic cell come from and the life of that single prokaryotic cell? So you, you can't just say that, just like you can't say the world began, the universe began with the Big Bang. You have to ask yourself, so where did the stuff that got banged come from and who made it bang? I mean, you can't have something from nothing. You can't just say it started with the bang. Where did the stuff that got banged come from? I mean, you, you, there's, there's more behind it. It's just like you can't say, well, life began because it began to evolve from a single cell. Where did the life of that single cell come from? So when you have to ask yourself, how did those first bacteria come to life, particularly since you can't have life from non-life, it really does force uh, anyone who is thinking to have to come up with some type of solution. Well, what... Um, Many will say, and I think this is why scientists might be good scientists, but they're poor philosophers, is they'll say, well, we believe panspermia, and that's their word, panspermia, meaning that we were seeded, life was seeded here from another planet, whether that was through a meteor that came through that had some kind of living cell on it or some type of extraterrestrial life that planted it here, uh, panspermia is a leading theory. Of course, the dilemma with that is you haven't answered the question. 
Where did life come from? You can say it, we were seeded by another planet or being, but where did that life come from? Where did, let's just say it was seeded from a meteor from Mars. Where did the life on Mars come from? I mean, you haven't answered the question. And so I, I do think that, um, uh, that people who want to make extraterrestrial life relevant to large questions like the beginning of life really haven't answered the question at all because then where did life begin then where did that extraterrestrial life begin and and so you're still left with that fundamental question even though some people might want to use for earth that it began through panspermia Mm, okay okay well here's my next question then because much of the biblical narrative is focused on redemption and if specifically the redemption that followed the initial fall of humankind we're familiar with adam and eve eating that forbidden fruit but if there is life on other planets could it be possible that there could have been a human race who did not fall that that is that i don't know that there could be like a perfect human race on another planet somewhere all right young lady you've been reading c.s lewis too much <laughs> yes, or, or space trilogy yes. The Space Trilogy and the second one in particular, Paralandra. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that particular installment, Paralandra, um, uh, the, the the character, the main character, Ransom, goes to this planet Paralandra is sent there. And it, there's just two people that live there and an Adam and Eve type figure. And the whole planet is covered with this sweet kind of water. And, and all of all of it is like islands. And they have, you know, that and they kind of move around because they're on the water, but it's, it's, they've got plant life and animal life and all that. And the one thing that the, that God um, has said to them uh, to not do is there's one large rock outcropping, kind of like mountain outcropping on the planet that is land. And the one thing was, don't go sleep there. Don't go live there. Do anything else you want. Just don't live there. You know, akin in a, in a science fiction or fantasy way that Lewis was saying, just like there's original Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree. And it could have been anything, you know, and that's his point. I think it's a good point. Don't eat from the tree. Don't sleep on that rock. Don't do this. It's like the one thing that's going to determine whether you're going to obey me and follow me and have me lead. And in that particular um, fantasy, um, they choose not to fall. Mm-hmm. They choose not to sleep on the island. And, and so you do have this, this wonderful, you know, uh, fantasy exploration of what it would be like to be on a planet where the people didn't fall. And so, yes, I, I do think that that is, you know, a theoretical possibility. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well then let's talk about Jesus because, I think a lot of people limit their scope and understanding of Jesus to just what he did during his time on earth. But if it were possible for humankind not to have fallen, would there be, would there be like, let's, let's say that this other world in Paralandra could actually exist somewhere. Would Jesus have any role there? See, you bring up something that is, is intriguing to me as a theologian and also as a pastor in terms of working with people and, and as a theologian and teaching my graduate students, there is this sense within a number of Christians where um, they feel like the story of Jesus began with a birth in Bethlehem. And uh, 
they get a little bit better about after the ascension because they know there's a second coming and they've read a little bit in Thessalonians and, and, and in revelation in terms of uh, Jesus coming back, but they really don't know a lot of what he's doing between now and then, or if there is much that he's doing between now and then, and they have no sense of the pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, this, the second person of the Trinity, the son of God who existed long before taking form as a human named Jesus. And so just because there isn't the need for a redemptive act on a planet, this hypothetical, it's just because there's not a need for another sacrificial act or whatever redemption would mean for that particular situation. I mean, you still have God, the son, the second person of the Trinity. And in the scriptures, you know, God, the son was active in creation and active in all kinds of things and throughout the old Testament. And, and you have all of these, these, um, uh, sometimes they're called Christocentrisms and other things where like, is this a, is this a Christ event that you're seeing, you know, Christ active, but you do have um, the second person of the Trinity alive and well and functioning and what, and, and the way the second person of the Trinity has always functioned prior to and after the 33-year-old life on this planet that was redemptive in nature. Mm. Okay. I'm going to stick with Jesus for a second because, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I feel so, so I, I loved, I love Paralandra. I love that whole concept, but I'm super skeptical. You know, I'm thinking if, even if there were another planet out there with life, maybe they would have made it a little bit longer than Adam and Eve did, but maybe not too much longer, just knowing, you know, my own sinful inclinations. But I'm thinking, Jesus's death and resurrection was meant to pay the price of humankind in general, but he came to die and was re resurrected on this planet, on planet earth. So if there are other planets with other human life, would his death and resurrection have been the, like would that sacrifice have covered the sins of humanity anywhere? Okay. I would beg to differ with how you set it up. You assume that if there's life on other planets, it's human life. You mentioned as if humanity is the only type of life there is or the only type of life that can be in a relationship with the living God. You also are assuming, as I continue to take you to the intellectual woodshed, you are also assuming, <laughs> I'm just kidding, but you're also assuming that we're only talking about the universe or the Milky Way or the galaxies or 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 the the created, you know, the world that we see as opposed to other realities, other dimensions, and where we could very much be the only life in this space, this universe, this reality, but that doesn't mean there aren't other realities and other dimensions. I'm not trying to get into the Marvel metaverse, but I mean, the, the point is well taken that there can be that, you know, God's uh, power and creativity is not limited to anything. So we have no idea what other forms life can take, what other realities there can be, what other types of relationships he can be in with that, which, with, which he has created. We certainly know he has created other than humans. He has created at least the angelic realm of which there is enormous diversity. Um, and so, um, so I don't really buy that what Jesus did here was, you know, has to somehow be extrapolated out to other aspects of life that God may have created or relationships and individuals and whom he can have a relationship with. Um, I think it, everything about the gospels, everything about that we read, the theology of the Bible, it's very earth centric. It's, it's very much the incarnation on planet earth and the crucifixion for the people of the earth. And even Revelation, 
which is about our world and our universe. And someone says, yeah, but it talks about the end of everything. No, the end of our world and our universe and our reality. It's not the end of all that God created. It's very, it's very explicit. It, it's, it's the end of, of our reality, our world, our universe, our space and stars and moon and earth. It, it's not, nothing about it goes beyond our experience. And so if someone says, so you're saying that there could be other whatever realities, universes, dimensions, uh, where maybe there could have been some, you know, a sin where Jesus needed to somehow be a redemptive sacrifice. Yes. And they have their scriptures. Yes. Um, but would there be congruence? I would say yes, because we have a God who it does not change. And so there wouldn't be, there would be congruence between the values and such of those scriptures and ours. And there would be a sense where whatever redemptive substitutionary need to pay for sin or a broken relationship with God, Jesus would fulfill that as well. It may not have been through a cross, but then again, we don't know what it would have entailed, but it would have been a, a sub, some type of substitution, sacrificial, some type of taking it on. So I, I think that there is a there's there needs to be from from my perspective and, and you know I'm teasing you and I'm, I'm not saying you don't have this but I do think from my perspective there needs to be a theological humi humility mm -hmm. and also humility about where I stand in relation to all that God has created and that I I I I am I I do not know all that has been created beyond our reality. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned revelation and I think that, I mean, I, I'm a skeptic in a lot of ways, um, but I think that understanding the narrative of revelation that we, we do have somewhat of a picture of how the world is going to come to an end, not all the dates and all of that kind of stuff. But I think that's kind of where I have some gray area with trying to imagine that there could be human life or, or for example, that we, we could ever find that sometime because it or somewhere, because it's not mentioned at all in the biblical narrative, um, especially like the unfolding of time. And I feel like that wouldn't be a minor detail that we may come across life on another planet. I mean, I could certainly see people making a case for the four horsemen or this locust army or something described in revelation as being from another planet. But do you think that as the story unfolds throughout the Bible, do you think it leaves room for us to discover life or, or to interact with life on other planets? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I want to be careful here. First of all, to answer your question about revelation and the horsemen and the locusts and various other things, I think it's pretty clear that those are all angelic in nature. Uh, and whether they're good angels or bad angels, meaning what we would call angels or demons, um, is another matter, but they're clearly angelic and part of the heavenly host. And, and so that's not, I would bracket that off from life on other planets. In terms of, of life on other planets, um, you know, when I were, and again, I'm not necessarily saying that I don't think we should assume that it would be humanoid or, you know, human. I mean, yes, the only kind of life we know is carbon-based, but it doesn't necessarily mean human as we are. The third thing that I would say is that um, I think that the greater likelihood is that um, is that uh, God has created in other ways, but in other dimensions and realities that have nothing to do with ours. And so, yes, I do think that it would be interesting if we discovered life on other planets. It'd be interesting to see what the story was, if there were parallels, if there if there was a sense of the Christian faith there. 
uh, if Jesus, if there was a Jesus figure that came, someone that, you know, matched a Jesus figure, if there was a sense of an atonement that was made. It'd be interesting to see all of that. But I, I do feel like Revelation does bring our reality to a close. But again, the Bible is very, very focused on this world and this people and and the, the people of Israel and then the church. And 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 and, and it, it doesn't even attempt to broaden the scope out except to bring in the heavenly hosts at the end of it all. So it's not so much that it that it does it leave room for that. I mean, you, you have to say it does, but it doesn't mean that it invites it. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I think is maybe more likely. I'm really going to go out on a limb. <laughs> I don't think we're going to find advanced human life. I mean, it's, it's not going to bother me if we do, but I don't think we're going to find advanced humanoid life, carbon-based life or something like that on other planets. Um, I don't, uh, I, I mean, perhaps very embryonic kind of life, but not, nothing, nothing like, you know, a civilization. I, I do believe that God has, probably created all kinds of life and 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 beings for relationship with him because he's just so big so creative so much love that to think that that would be limited to us and planet earth would be surprising to me we just don't know that story i just think we're going to find god so much bigger and and heaven so much bigger and everything about it so much bigger and his love so much bigger and we'll find that we're a part of that story but we're not the only story but i will say this so what what is up let's bring this back so what's up with uaps mm-hmm. What, what is up with what we're seeing that is creating so much fascination? Um, and here's, I'm going to go on a limb. What if it's the demonic? What if it's purposeful deception? What if, it, I mean, because Satan can certainly do that. Uh, what if, what if these are things meant to plant seeds that perhaps uh, we're not alone? There are explanations for things outside of traditional faith or religion or Christianity? What if there is advanced knowledge? What if, what if there is some sense where it's planting a seed of, for even perhaps what might end up being one day, the antichrist, the beast, and will make us want to worship them. What, what if all of this is, is something that is meant to be misleading to create somehow either the seeds of doubt about faith um, and, and, you know, where you extrapolate things philosophically about life on other planets, where you try to explain away then certain other aspects, or it lays the seed work for what will be unfolding in the end of time, where the demonic is extremely manifest and, and in some fairly bizarre ways. Um, and so it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I'm just not convinced that there, there couldn't be something deceptive being purposefully seeds being sown through this, through the demonic realm to try to undermine aspects of belief. I don't think I'd ever considered that before, but that is quite terrifying to think about that. But yes, I I mean, put the way that you just put it, that seems actually quite plausible. Okay. But let's say there is something to life on another planet and these UAPs. And obviously if we're seeing them, that would suggest that they are seeking us. They are looking for life on other planets, which I think that is kind of in, in our scope as well. So would you say that we have a responsibility to seek out other life forms, like to seek, seek out that existence, or we could just never do that. And that would not be irresponsible. 
No, I mean, I'm such an old Star Trek fan. I mean, I'm talking like the old original one to boldly go and explore that I love the idea and I have no problem with that. I think we have a responsibility to steward creation. And I think that stewarding of creation is not limited simply to earth. And, and I think that, um, so, uh, if there's other life forms, it would obviously be fascinating to interact with them. But again, I would put it into the wider context of the other things that we've said here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think there's any like rules against it or anything that's verboten or anything that would be, you know, forbidden there. I mean, whatever, if, 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 if we as Christians would say they too were created by God and would have, uh, you know, some aspect of a soul and ability to relate to him. And um, if they're thinking, you know, you know, salient beings, sentient beings. So, I, yeah, I mean, it would just be, I mean, in that hypothetical, of course. Okay. I have one last question and this is purely for fun. So don't feel like you have to think too deeply about this, but so um, for those listeners who don't know this, so aboard the Voyager spacecraft is this type of time capsule and it's called the Voyager golden records. And it contains two phonographic records with images and sounds, a whole score of things that are meant to, in the event that they ever come across extraterrestrial life, it's meant to communicate to them about humanity, about what life on earth is like, what our planet is like. So here's my just for fun question. If you could have included anything on that record that maybe communicated something about the important, important truth about God, what do you think you would have put on there? The gospel of John. Hmm. Um, because if there, if, if there really, you know, ever was life on other planets advanced, um, that would be the quickest, easiest thing for them to see, read and understand to determine um, what our uh, interaction was with uh, the second member of the Trinity and what his purpose and plan was. And, you know, the word becoming flesh, you have that deep theological beginning, but you also have all of this radical kind of stories that are kept in John that are terribly evangelistic, most evangelistic of the four gospels, but also all the interactions with non-Christians and showing this grace and truth mix. And I would just say that if there's one thing that you could put in front of someone to say, you know, this is the essence of what our experience was with, with Christ, it would be the gospel of John. Hmm. I love that. Well, I hope if you're listening to today's conversation, I mean, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope though, although we got into a lot of hypotheticals, I do think that one thing, firm thing to take away from this conversation, if nothing else is, and and, and Jim, if you disagree, please let me know, but is just that God is so much bigger than we often think that it's okay for us to feel small when we're dealing with this enormous God. And I feel like that's at least what I've taken away from it. Um, But yeah. So yeah, and it's okay to let them be big and it's okay to be small and it's okay to let there be mystery and, and things that we don't know. And it's okay to just fall back and just childlike trust in him with all of that. Mm. Well, thank you. Thanks, Jim, for, (laughs) for um, putting up with my questions today and um, being a good sport about it. And like I said, I hope this was enjoyable for those of you who are listening and we will have you back again next week. Thank you for listening to this week's installment of the Church and Culture Podcast with Dr. James White. We hope it was not only informative, but challenging and the start to an ongoing conversation. To stay up to date with all the latest, check out the daily headline news and subscribe to the Church and Culture blog, all found at churchandculture.org. You can even keep up with Jim by following him on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at James Emery White. We hope you'll join us next week. Goodbye for now.